I'm excited to, to be here today. You know, as, as music was going on, I, uh, I just saw Holy Spirit was showing me just Him moving through everyone's hearts today and just tilling the soil, preparing the hearts for the, for the seed that He prepared today to be thrown into the soil. So I really hope that during that time that you welcomed Him in to really prepare your heart for what, what He's prepared to share today. And I just want to encourage anyone who, maybe you have, maybe you have some trouble with belief. Um, you know, you see, you see things, but it's hard for you to really just go ahead and jump in and believe. Maybe it's in Yahweh himself, or it's in what he can do, or it's if it's, what, what about him is true, right? But what I want to encourage you to do is look to the people around you today, and really pull from their belief. Because people have a reason that they believe so hard. So if you look at them and draw from that, I, I promise you it will encourage your belief as well. So this last week I've really just been, well, I also just want to honor and thank you for giving me an opportunity to be able to come up here and share. Because this last week I've really been hearing a lot. I've been reflecting on the forge, right, and just the, the fire of Yahweh. And I've really just been thinking about how does this apply. And I've been reflecting on, on what Steve shared with it being God's choice and our choice. God's choice is to put us through those things that he just mentioned. <coughs> Excuse me. He just mentioned those things with the press, the fire, the hammer, and the press, and those steps. That's his choice. And our choice is whether or not we're willing to see it through, right, if we're going to stick with it. And then in that, I also, I spoke a little bit about us being churches individually, our, ourselves as a temple, and how we are constantly building on the foundation of Christ, and we are building a church or a temple that is, its purpose is to honor the Father. And in that, we're going to welcome in this fire that he's able to burn away the things that don't honor him anymore, right? That never did or don't anymore. And we're able to burn those places away. And it might be painful, it might be awkward or embarrassing, because we thought, I thought this thing was good, and, and now it's ash. But in that, right, he burns those things away, and there's going to be things that are standing, that survive the fire, right? And those are the places that we're able to then build on more. And then the fire comes through again. And hopefully there's a few more things that aren't going to burn away in that second fire, the third fire, the seventh fire, right? All these times in our life as we go through these fires that we welcome. And it's, it's important to understand that if honor is our goal, his fire, his process, his forge is continual for our whole life, for our whole journey, our whole walk. It's a continual process because we're constantly building and growing. And in that, we need to constantly make sure that those things that are growing with us are pure and holy. I want to read uh, out of 1 Corinthians, uh, and it's chapter 3, verses 10 through 16. And this is Paul, if you, don't, if you aren't familiar. And Paul's re uh, writing a letter to a church in, or I don't remember what, Corinth, I think is how you say it. But he's writing to a church in Corinth. And he's really encouraging them to set a standard in their community. That's kind of how I would summarize 1 Corinthians. So in 3, he says, According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if anyone builds... On the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw. 
each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? Now, I want to go back to verse 15 and really focus there. And that reads, I'm going to read it again. And it says, if anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Now, what that means is that you're only saved by the loss that the fire brings, right? So when that fire comes through, it's going to burn away all the bad, right? All the ugly, all the things that you don't need to have with you. And that loss, as it burns those things away, that's your gain. That's your salvation. Because otherwise, if that fire never comes, you're going to keep building upon those bad things. So you need that fire to come so that you can cleanse those parts away so that they don't just continue to fester and grow. And before you know it, you're going to have out of control this giant thing that doesn't honor the Father. And if you welcome the fire then, it's going to be way more catastrophic to you. And you're going to have a hard time deciphering if this was good, bad, what's going on in my life. And that's why it's important to let that fire continuously come, to nip those small things while they're still small. If the fire never came, the bad wouldn't have been eliminated. And though it can feel painful and embarrassing, it's important because Yahweh's fire transforms us and it changes us. And as I've just been reflecting over it, it's been, it's been such a, a cool symbol, the forge. The forge is such a perfect symbol for the fire of Yahweh because it touches other aspects as well. I even saw with, bap- with baptism how you can see the forge in baptism. So that initial baptism that you have is when you're baptized in fire, right? You maybe have heard that before, and that's when your spirit is baptized. You're baptized in the spirit, and that's where that true transformation starts to happen, right? As you're baptized in fire, you're able to be heated up and be able to have change be possible, right? Because if you just start banging on a piece of metal with another piece of metal when it's cold, you're going to break it and mess it up. You have to first heat it up so it's baptized in fire, right? And then you pull it out, and it's able to be transformed. It's able to be changed. And once that change occurs, then you baptize it in water because then you're solidifying the change that happened within the fire. But as good of a symbol that is, it's important to know that that's not the only time that's going to happen. It's not just a one-time thing where I'm baptized in fire, then baptized in water. That's that initial one that's like a, a, a staple in our life, right? Where we can always call back to that, like this is the day that I was saved, where everything changed for me. But we continue to go through those times and we continue to, to grow and change and be used for what Yahweh wants to purpose in our life. Once we join ourselves to his purpose in us, there's a 100% chance that more change is gonna have to happen. Because he's constantly ready to continue to grow you and change you. He doesn't, he doesn't make us perfect beings, from birth, and he doesn't make us perfect beings in our rebirth. It's a continual process of growth. We're not ready for, you know, we have to, it's a process. You can't just rush it. So there's a continual movement with Yahweh. Though he never changes, we continue to change. And as sons, 
And when I say sons, I mean Christian, believer, um, a daughter of Christ, a son of Christ, all these different words. But I use son because that's the most resounding to me is I'm a son of the Father, right? And in that, as sons, we have to be comfortable with change. We have to be. Even in the middle of all the discomfort that change can bring, right? So change can be uncomfortable, but we still have to be comfortable with going through that change, right? So as sons, we have to be comfortable with changing even in the discomfort that change brings. How many of us, I know I have, and I want you guys to participate so I'm not alone. (laughs) How many of us have ever had a job, right, where you went and you applied, you did all the things, you went and had your interviews, and you thought you understood, okay, this is what the job entails. Like, I'm going to do this, this, and this. I want to do it. I'm qualified. Or maybe I feel like I'm close to qualified. And then... (laughs) You get the job, you show up for the first day, and it is nothing like what you expected. (laughs) All the things that you thought, this will be my responsibility, I'm going to do this and that, none of that is it. It's like, or maybe it's just a small part, and they expect you to do all these other things, and you're like, this is not what I signed up for. (laughs) Well, I had a job. Did anybody else have a job like that ever? Because I'm not talking about this job. (laughs) No. Uh, I had a job when I was 17, and I worked at a summer camp. It was called Butler Springs. Well, I don't know if I should have. Well, I was, the, I was the problem. They weren't the problem. I was the problem. But I worked at a summer camp. It was called Butler Springs, and it, uh, I was brought on as a lifeguard, or so I thought. I thought, okay, they need a lifeguard. I can do that. I'm a good swimmer. And then they provided the training. So there was a lake that was a couple miles away, and it had like a water park. This is in Ohio, so there's no alligators. And it's this huge lake, and they have like water slides and all this stuff at this lake. Well, they train all of their lifeguards because they had a huge staff, but they let the camp send their lifeguards over, and there was, I think there was four of us. So they'd send us over, and we did the training there. Well, it was freezing cold. It was scary because it's in a lake, and you have to like search for dummies in the water and stuff, like all kind of crazy stuff that I wasn't going to have to deal with at my little pool at the, at the camp, you know? But I was like, whatever, it's fine, because this summer's going to be awesome, because I'm going to sit up in the lifeguard chair. I'm going to get tan, right? I'm just going to relax at the pool all day, every day. High schoolers already know how to swim. Like, no one's, no one's going to jump off the diving board that can't swim, so I'm good. That's what I thought. I thought, this is going to be the best summer. I'm just going to chill out at the pool all day and get paid for it. Well, that is not what that job ended up being. When I tell you that I was a lifeguard maybe five times all summer, that might be generous. And I can only think of one time I got to even lifeguard in the sun. I did night swims. Yeah, they made me do the night swims the other times. And it's cold, and everyone's trying to splash you because they think it's funny because I'm wearing like a hoodie, hoping not to get wet. But I was never, I never got to be a lifeguard, barely at all. And uh, what I did end up doing was I did a lot of landscape. So, um, <laughs> like, that was the primary. So I'm, I'm mowing acres, like, every day. Because by the time you finish mowing this half of the property, this half's already grown back. So then you're just bouncing. They had a creek, so I had to, like, weed eat through the creek, all this stuff. So I did that. I did pest control, which is just me running away from wasps as I spray their nest. I did 
um, maintenance, which is fixing the lawnmowers that I messed up or, you know, fixing golf carts because there's golf carts that I didn't get to use, but they were there. Just working on those. Ma general maintenance, general pest, again, wasps. And I also got to do, this was kind of fun, but, oh, well, I did security as much as a 17-year-old can. So that just means I was staying up at night scared, hoping that no one drives onto property because then I just have to call 911 and keep them there. So that wasn't fun. It was fun after. I acted like I liked it. I didn't. And then I also did like zip lines and stuff. So I'd be up in some tree. Kids come up. I'd hook them up, send them down, you know, which is cool the first like three times. After three hours, it's not cool anymore. But anyway, and you can see I still, I didn't enjoy that job. But because I wanted the lifeguard, because that's what I wanted to do with that job, that was my expectation going in, was I'm going to be a lifeguard. I'm going to sit at the pool. It's going to be easy. Even if it's not easy, I'd rather do that than some of this other stuff that I'm ending up doing. And I was trapped because I had to like live on the, cam on the campsite. <laughs> so it was a whole summer. So what ended up happening, because I wanted to be a lifeguard, not these other things, I hated my job, right? I hated my coworkers. That's just being honest. I, and I, they didn't deserve that. But I had a terrible attitude towards them. Didn't want to make friends. I had one kind of friend, Brad. So if he ever sees this, you were my one kind of friend. <laughs> but even that, he probably wouldn't even consider me a friend either. We just like had to do stuff together a lot. But I didn't. I didn't. I didn't like my coworkers. I couldn't wait for summer to be over, which isn't a great thing when you're in high school. Like, that should be the best time. I couldn't wait to go back to school because I was like, I can't stand this job. And, and I think the worst part of it, though, was that I, I really didn't retain anything that I learned when I was there. So all these things that I learned how to do, whether it was fixing stuff up, because there was four-wheelers and stuff, I had to do all kind of maintenance work on that I didn't initially know how to do. And they showed me how to do it, but it was kind of like, as they showed me a step, I did it, and then it was gone, right? And same with lawn mowing and things. I learned little, little tricks and things like that for, you know, just how to make it look the best or, or what lengths are good and all these things that I just immediately forgot as soon as the job was over. I was like, thank God this is over. I'm done, right? I don't have to remember any of that. And then a lot of those things I know how to do now, but not because of that job, because I had to relearn it when I had to do it again. So I had to relearn how to work on things. I had to relearn how to mow correctly and weed eat correctly and not let your stuff get all tangled up and all these little, little details. But I had to relearn everything that I should have just learned one time at that camp. And, and I questioned, you know, what could I have gained if I had leaned in what I was supposed to be rather than grabbing onto what I thought I was supposed to be, right? So I could have... I could have really just held on to, okay, this isn't what I expected, but let me do it the best I can, and it's going to benefit me. But instead, I was just like, I'm supposed to be a lifeguard. I'd be mowing the lawn, looking over and seeing someone up on the lifeguard stand, and I'm like, they did it yesterday. You know, why, like, why can't I ever get a chance? They only ever let girls do it. I was like, they're not strong enough. But anyways... But I really, I, really, I really wonder, what could I have learned or what could I have gained if I would have leaned in what I was supposed to be rather than holding on to what I could have been? So I tell you this story, and what does that really have to do with forging? Um, 
you know, Yahweh, there's times where maybe Yahweh needs a sword, right? We've used sword as an example for a forge a few times. Maybe he needs a sword for something. So he's going to take you, he's going to put you through the forge, he's going to hammer out the inconsistencies, press you out. It's, you're going to be a big sword. He's going to polish you up, grind all the, the ugly stuff off the outside, and he's going to make it sharp. You're going to be a perfect-looking sword ready to do all the things that swords are supposed to do, right? But then there's going to be a time. I don't know if you've ever seen the show Forged in Fire. Uh, I really like that show. It's hit or miss. You might think it's boring, or you might think it's really cool. I think it's really cool, but it's a contest show where they're literally forging against each other. So there's like four people. They all start out with nothing, and they have to all create the same weapon, right? And then they test them and see who made the best sword, dagger, spear, whatever they're doing for that challenge. But the beginning of every episode, there's always like this big pile with a sheet on it. And the guy, he's like, all right, contestants, so this week, boom, pulls it off. And then it'll be like car parts or a bucket of nails, random stuff, giant springs or a, a tractor, like a whole thing. And he's like, you're going to have to figure it out with this stuff. And the time starts now. So they all run over, and they're trying to cut off pieces of this tractor and then run over and test it and see if it's good metal because they don't know because it's all red, it's painted and whatever. So they're like, I don't know. So they're testing all this stuff. And then what they do is they start heating it up and just reshaping it, right? So then it's, it was a spring, and by the end of it, they all have swords, right? Now, and it's really cool to watch. But the cool thing with forging metal is that you can melt things down and reforge it again. So that spring at one time wasn't a spring. What it looked like, I don't know. But they melted it down and forged it into a spring. Then they took that spring, melted it down, turned it into a sword. There's some challenges where they take a bunch of past episode weapons and they melt those down into the new stuff. So they're constantly just reusing this metal. Now, so let's go back to Yahweh making you a sword. You're beautiful, you're sharp, fully ready to chop stuff up or whatever. <laughs> but then... You were his sword, but now he needs something new, right? So he needs, maybe he needs some big handles for some huge heavy doors, right, to pull them open. Maybe he needs a chest plate. Maybe he needs a crown that's ready to hold jewels. Maybe he needs a candle holder to help light the way, right? There's all these things that he may need, but then when he calls on you and he's like, hey, I need you now because I need to open this door, and you go, ah, I'm a sword, you know, or I need to hold these candles. I got all these candles. This is really dark. This is a dark path. I need someone to light the way, to help me light the way, right? So I need something to hold all these candles. And you're like, I can't because I'm a sword. Like, I'll cut the candle up. How can I hold it? Right? And he's like, I'm not calling on you as a sword. I'm calling to melt you down and turn you into that thing because a sword can't do what a door handle can do. Now, it might be able to open a door, but not nearly as easy as just pulling it open with the handle. A sword, I don't know how, a sword might be able to hold some candles, but it's going to be harder to do that than to just walk through dark, I think. So when, when Yahweh calls on you because he needs a handle or a candle holder or something like that, don't say, oh, I can't do it because I'm just a sword, right? Don't, don't lock yourself in this box like, sorry, swords don't do that. You're going to have to call on that guy over there, because he can probably do it better than me. Before, now before I came to The Rock, I moved to Orlando to go to MMI, 
which is a motorcycle mechanics institute. I had worked in Harley-Davidson dealerships before I moved here. And that was my, my plan for my life, right? At least for however long I had to do it. That's how I felt, because it wasn't about some passion. It was just, I like bikes and I can work on them and get paid, that's how I'll do it. That's how people around me did it. You just find what you can tolerate, and if you can get paid for it, perfect. You know, maybe I won't hate my job, and I can do it at least for like 15 years before I just want to do something new. So that was kind of my plan, and, and I, I went through the school. I got certified, so I'm actually still, it's like not expired. I'm certified to work on Harley-Davidson motorcycles, but I was called to ministry, right? And, it, and I, I never went to seminary, you know. I was like, I'm in tech school, not seminary school, but I got called to ministry, and I ended up answering that call, and it's changed my life way more than I could one ever imagine, but also it's brought me into things that being a motorcycle tech wouldn't have brought me into. Uh, I've, and I'll just give you a couple examples. Through ministry, I've been able to become a teacher at the school. Never would I have ever thought that I'd been a teacher growing up. I became a husband, which I really didn't think, I didn't know if I'd ever be a husband. You know, I was like, I don't know if anybody's ever going to deal with this. <laughs> I found somebody, you know. <laughs> And then, and then on top of that, I've become a father. And, and that, I couldn't even see myself being a husband. I really didn't know if I'd ever be a father, at least not one that someone would let me see my kids. And, and that's, really, that's really how I felt. But, you know, through answering a call to, to ministry, even though I didn't feel like maybe that's necessarily where I had formed myself, Yahweh had a plan for me. And through that, he's, he's taken me through some fires, I had to get a lot of inconsistencies hammered out of my head, right? There was a lot of problems that I had to get purified, and I'm still not perfect, and I'm still willing to change more, but I've been formed, and it's led me into new avenues that wouldn't have happened if I wouldn't have answered that initial call for what he needed. So I want to look at a couple examples of, of people in Scripture who did the same thing, just so we can kind of connect it and see you know, other, other people that have done the same thing and people that we're familiar with based on our Bible stories. So when we look at Abraham, right, when we look at the beginning of his story, he was a son. Essentially, that's what he did. He was a, a son-in-law, but he lived with his father-in-law. He worked for him, and he was growing the family business. Like, he wasn't a bad son. He was good. But Yahweh called him, and he's like, all right, I know you got the setup, but I want to make a name for you and your family line so I want you to leave and become a sojourner, right? You're comfortable here. Everything's set. You're set for life. Your family's set for life. I want you to take a risk and just uproot and move. And he did it, right? So he starts going and he's sojourning. Then he says, Yahweh says to Abraham, okay, I'm going to make you a father. And then through being a father, I'm going to make you the father of nations of my people. And Abraham was like, well, I don't know how you're going to do that because my wife can't have kids. And he's like, just trust me. So in that sojourning, he continued to trust. And it wasn't quick. Like his story doesn't take place over four days. It takes place over years and years. And he keeps walking in that. And he's being changed and being, he's being crafted, right? Because you look at him in the beginning. If you read his story, he wasn't like super upstanding. Like he was a good guy, but he was afraid. He didn't stand up for his wife. He's like, she's my sister, so that they wouldn't kill him. Really, and then kings would take his wife, and then before they could get to her, 
Yahweh would like curse them. And they'd be like, whoa, what's going on? He's like, okay, it's my wife. It's not my sister. And, but like, that's not how he was probably, he shouldn't have been carrying himself like that or covering his wife like that. That wasn't covering. But in that, he was, he was formed and he was being worked on. And by the end of it, I mean, we know him now. Father Abraham had many sons, right? We sing that because we followed that. We're sons of Abraham, right? Through Christianity, we followed him back and he is the, the start of Yahweh's people. There's another one. We've got Joseph, and he was the, the son with the coat of many colors, right? And, and how did he start? Same as Abraham, similar to Abraham. He was a son, and he looked over affairs, but he was kind of arrogant and annoying. He was the youngest, and he was letting everyone know he's the favorite. But in that, he was a son. And what happened was his brothers got tired of it, and they sold him into slavery. I'm, I'm super paraphrasing all these, by the way. <laughs> I encourage, you, I encourage you to go read the stories for yourself because they're very good, but this is just to make the point because this is all still how the sequence goes. So he was a son sold into slavery, so then he willingly becomes a servant. So he starts serving and working in these different houses of powerful men. But then more bad things might happen or do happen, and he gets thrown into prison at one point, right? So he was a servant, did that faithfully, thrown into prison. And in prison, then he becomes a prophet, he, he opens up, not necessarily becomes, but he starts to walk as a prophet. He starts deciphering dreams, and that gets him into the, the court of the most powerful man in Egypt, right? And he starts deciphering his dreams, which led him then into being a ruler. So he went from a son, a servant, a prophet, a ruler, right? All these things, but he couldn't have just gone son, ruler. He had to go through these changes and fulfill these places that Yahweh needed him. He needed him to be that prophet. He needed him to be that servant, whether to teach him or for the people around him. And then the last example I've got is David. And we're all familiar with David. Uh, he was a shepherd, right? When we first see David in Scripture, he's a shepherd. And he's a good shepherd. He's taking care of the sheep. All his brothers are getting tested out to be the king. And he's just taking care of the sheep. Gets into it. I won't tell that whole story. But through that, he goes from shepherd to then giant slayer, right? He answers that call. No one else is willing to face this giant, to face the enemy. And he's like, I'll do it. Even though I'm just a shepherd right now, I'm going to step up and be the giant slayer. I'm going to be the warrior. And from there, he really gets a name for himself as a warrior. And he starts fighting and battling for God. And he also becomes a servant to the king. And the king, he ends up, long story short, his mind is poisoned against David. And he becomes jealous of his fame and popularity and promise from Yahweh. And he starts to target him to try to kill him. In that, David never stopped being his servant. David had plenty of, if you read his story, he had opportunities to kill Saul easily. And, and the people would have welcomed David with open arms. Like, we're ready for you to be king. So if you kill him, we're not even going to try to fight you about it. But he didn't. He refused because he's like, that's not what I'm supposed to do. Right now, I'm his servant. I'm his son, even if he's trying to kill me. And Yahweh ends up taking care of that for him, and then he does become king the right way. So he went from shepherd, warrior, servant, king, right? And all the same thing. And if we think of David, he could have at the very beginning said, oh, I can't fight Goliath. Like, I'm a shepherd. That's it. I got sheep back at home. I'm dropping off lunch for my brothers. I got to get back home. Like, good luck with this giant guy. You know, and that's it. But he didn't. He answered that call and he said, yes, I'm a shepherd, 
but I'm willing to fill the role that Yahweh put before me and change myself into what I need to be for this moment. He went through the forges that Yahweh set before him and becomes one of the most famous men in scripture, fulfilling the places that Yahweh purposed for him and let him be known as a man after Yahweh's own heart. He became the man after God's heart because he was willing to walk those forges and fires out. And if you read his writings, he talks about his fires. He's like, I'm going through it, but I'm sticking to it, right? I'm not gonna just give up, but this is not good. This situation is terrible, but I'm still gonna walk myself through it because I know what you purpose for me. I know what you called me to. So I'm gonna continue to walk it out, and by the end of it, I'm gonna be a king for your name's sake. So what's my point? My point is, allow Yahweh's transforming fire into your life. That's the simplest way to put it. Because if you wrap your identity up in being a sword, and you put yourself in that box, you're never going to get to fulfill those places that he has planned and purposed for your life. You have to be willing to be transformed and to walk it out because, you know, being a sword is cool. But it's not cool when he needs a door opened. It's not cool anymore. And, you know, and, I, and to lock myself up in it, it's like, oh, I can't do that because I, I only can do this thing. No, you, you, you couldn't do that thing before. So why can't he change you again? And that's, and that's what I really want everyone to understand is that if you are willing to let the Father forge you into what he's calling you to, that's when you're going to be able to reach all the awesome big things that he has planned for you and for your life. So I want to encourage you to do something. I thought about doing it in this moment, but I don't think that's right. So I'm going to tell you I'm going to do it in front of you. And then I want you to do it when you mean it. So Yahweh, I welcome you into my life. I welcome your fire into my heart. I want you to burn away all the things that don't honor you. I, want, I don't care how bad it hurts. I don't care how much it is. Just burn it away. And if there's something else that I need to be put into, I want you to go ahead and melt me down and forge me right into that thing that you're calling me to be. You know, I know it's hard to do it sometimes because when you welcome it, you're welcoming something uncomfortable. And that's why I want you to do it when you're really ready to do it and when you mean it. Because if you truly welcome that fire in, he's really going to let you have it. <laughs> he really is. I'm telling you. So when you mean it, that's when I want you to say it, okay? Because I mean it right now. And I know some of you also mean it right now, but some of you aren't ready. Some of you need to think about it because when you do it, because you can get out of it. That's the, that's the worst part is that when that fire starts, you can say, never mind, never mind, never mind. But that's not, that's not going to get you. Just like we talked about last week, that's not going to get you to what he's trying to get you to. So when you really mean it, that's when I want you to welcome his fire into your life because I don't want you to turn back from it. I don't want to turn back from it. So, Father, 
I thank you for this word. And I thank you for this people. Because this is a house that desires to honor and bless you in everything that we do. And we're ready to go through the forges that you've laid out before us. Before we were ever born, you knew these paths that we could take. And you've already laid them out. And we're prepared for you to prepare us. Yahweh, help us not box ourselves into some identity that you only meant for a season. And let us learn from each phase and each place and each tool that you form us into so that after each fire, we're more ready for the next one so that less is burned away and more of you is left each time. Yahweh, we love you. We honor you. And we are excited for all that you have planned for each of our lives and us as a family. So we lift our voices and we rejoice over your name and we say amen.